Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. law could never bring forgiveness. It simply showed how sinful we are. We go and we look in a mirror and we see in that mirror, oh man, the dirt doesn't go away, does it? That mirror doesn't have any ability at all to clean you. It just simply shows you how dirty you are. And as a matter of fact, the more intently we look at that mirror, the more dirt we see, don't we? Suddenly we realize, man, I am absolutely filthy. I don't have just a smudge. I'm filthy all over. Have you noticed how the more you read the Word of God, the more aware you become of your sinful condition? This is because the Word of God acts as a mirror that shows you all your imperfections and points you to your need for a Savior. Today, Pastor David will be challenging you to run to Jesus when you sin and allow Him to cleanse you and forgive you. It's only by the sacrifice of Jesus that you can be forgiven. No observance of the law and religious ceremony can really cleanse your sin. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Promise for All Men. John had been well received, he had been loved by the Jewish people, not so much by the Jewish leaders, because again, he was telling and speaking the truth. And yet John made it very clear that he wasn't the Messiah, he wasn't the hope of Israel, there was one that was yet to come, and even as he says, the sandals of whose feet I was not worthy to loose, according to the promise God raised up for Israel, a Savior, Jesus. Paul brings the message home now. And this is what it's really all about. Look at verse 26. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he, should put, that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree, in other words, from the cross where he was crucified, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Amen? I mean, that's what we're looking at in just a couple of weeks, our resurrection celebration, the reality that we serve a risen Savior. And Paul wants to make sure that these Jews knew, no, we're not talking about somebody that's still dead in the grave. No, God raised him from the dead. In verse 31, and he was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to 
the people. Here, Paul declares the guilt of the people of Jerusalem, and in particular, the rulers there in Jerusalem that missed Messiah totally. They had missed and they had denied the promised one of Israel because they had missed the voices of the prophets that is read to them every Sabbath day. They heard it, they listened to it, but they missed it. They did not receive it. The message should have been familiar to them, but they still missed it. The word of God was in their heads, folks, but it wasn't in their hearts. You know the sad place of the church today? We have many who can quote scripture verses, who can tell Bible stories, but yet Christ is not truly in their heart. They've not been born again by the Spirit of God. These Jews, and for many even today, not just the Jews, but many within what's recognized as the church visible, they have head knowledge of the Scripture, but they miss the fulfillment of it even when it happens before their very eyes. The Jews of Jerusalem had him crucified, but God raised him from the dead. And his resurrection was verified through numerous witnesses. Again, those that could attest at that very time the reality and the truth of the resurrection. God had promised all of this through the messages that were given by the fathers and given by the prophets all through the ages. And now Paul comes in and he wants them to understand the faithfulness of God who is fulfilling those promises, who has fulfilled them and who will continue to fulfill them. Look at verse 32. And we declare to you glad tidings. That promise which was made to the fathers God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus. And as it's also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David, quoting from Isaiah 55. He goes on to say, therefore, he also says in another psalm, and in this case, it's Psalm 16, you will not allow your Holy One to seek corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. David died, and he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. He saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. So that psalm that David wrote in chapter 16 of the book of Psalm, he was writing prophetically of the coming of Messiah. Jesus Christ was and is the complete fulfillment of that prophetic word, spoken hundreds of years before he even came to earth as a helpless babe. And it was because of his great love and the fulfillment of his promises that God the Father sent his son to bring and make available the forgiveness of sin to everyone who believes. The forgiveness of sin to everyone who believes. But you have to come by faith. It's not given as a universal whitewash of our sins but it is made available to whoever would call upon the name of the Lord. Paul continues on. Look at verse 38. Verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, 
Everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Again, if you highlight, circle, or point arrows in your Bible, everyone who believes is justified. Everyone who believes is justified. And then he says, justified uh, by things that the law of Moses could not justify them. Greater than the law in that Christ himself fulfilled all the requirements of the law. Therefore, the law has no hold on any who come by faith to receive that completed work of Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. That doesn't mean that we have carte blanche to live life whatever way we choose. It just simply means that we are no longer under the burden of the law because we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is talking to a group of individuals within that synagogue who were burdened down with the law. Every aspect of their life was controlled by the law. And Paul comes in and says, no, it's not by the law of Moses, but it's by faith in the coming of Messiah. The law could never bring forgiveness. It simply showed how sinful we are. We go and we look in a mirror and we see in that mirror, oh man, the dirt doesn't go away, does it? That mirror doesn't have any ability at all to clean you. It just simply shows you how dirty you are. And as a matter of fact, the more intently we look at that mirror, the more dirt we see, don't we? And suddenly we realize, man, I am absolutely filthy. I don't have just a smudge. I'm filthy all over. And that's when the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ is what affects our lives. When we come by faith, not by gazing more into the law, but again, coming by faith to Christ. Paul wants them to understand it's not the law nor the commands of men that make a man clean before the Lord our God. But all too often, even man himself, it just seems like we want to put each other under bondage. Well, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to answer to this requirement. And yet the Lord says, no, it is the work of grace in an individual's life. And as I said, that doesn't give us then the freedom to live our lives any way we want. But now because we are under grace, We live our lives to the glory and to the praise of God, our Savior. Paul goes on to say there in verse 40, Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. Here Paul is saying, listen, you need to be careful. You, you, you're hearing the gospel now. You're hearing the truth of how forgiveness of sin comes to you. You, are no, lo- you no longer have an excuse to say, well, I never heard that. And you know, every time we proclaim the gospel message, it puts you in that sticky position of saying, I can't say that I didn't know that. You know it now because the word of God has declared it to you. The synagogue, uh, uh, at this point in time, the time had come for them to be dismissed and to close and look down at verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the Gentiles begged. It wasn't the Jews that begged. It was the Jewish, it was the word of the prophets that, that Paul was sharing. But it wasn't the Jews that wanted to hear it. No, here the Gentiles begged that they'd share it with him again next Sabbath. Verse 43, now when the congregation had broken up, okay, many of the Jews 
and the devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. He just encouraged them. It is the grace of God. It's the mercy of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Walk in him. Don't allow yourself to be put back under the burden of the law. Continue in the grace of God. And many believed what Paul was saying. Many wanted to hear more. And so Paul and Barnabas and their company stayed in Antioch there another week until the next Sabbath day. And wouldn't you know it, man, a great revival is about to break out. Well, sort of and not quite. Uh, Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Now that's exciting. I think any pastor worth their salt, when the chairs are full, they're excited. They're pumped, man. God has filled the house. Let's preach the gospel. The house was full. I think that it was overflowing, not the whole city. They wouldn't have been able to fit in that synagogue, but they were there on the outside, probably listening every way that they could. But verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitude, they were blessed that God was moving. (laughs) No, that's not what it says, is it? The Jews, when they saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and started contradicting and and blaspheming. And they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So Paul's trying to share with them. These Jews are jumping out. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. And they're speaking against the word of Paul every way that they can. You know, jealousy and fear, they go hand in hand. There's no need to wonder here that Luke lays it out pretty clear for us. If there had only been a few that showed up that day, I don't think the Jews would have been that worried they probably wouldn't have gotten so upset. But because God was moving so powerfully, not by them, but by this outside man who had come and started sharing the message of the gospel. Because God was moving these Jews now, they're afraid of losing their power. They're afraid of losing their sway over the multitudes. They were jealous for power. They were jealous for authority in people's lives. And so they feared when they looked when it looked to them like they were going to lose it all, even though it was the Holy Spirit of God that was doing this supernatural work among them. But because these guys couldn't battle in the supernatural, they started battling in the natural. As it says here, they were filled with envy. They started contradicting. They began blaspheming. They opposed the things that that Paul spoke. Look at verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas, they grew bold, And said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking to the Jews. But since you reject it and you judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn now to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. This is where we see, as we've spoken over the last several weeks, there's this change, there's this turning that's taking place as we see Gentiles coming to faith. We see Gentiles being moved by the Spirit of God, the Jews more and more rejecting it. When the gospel first was proclaimed on the day of Pentecost, thousands of Jews came to faith in Christ. But then as, again, the gospel message continued, pretty soon more conflict came from the Jews and more Gentiles were receiving that truth. We see that change even more dynamically here. 
Paul doesn't abandon the Jews, though, at this point in time. As a matter of fact, we'll see in the next chapter, chapter 14, that once again, he goes into the synagogue. But then once again, the attack against the gospel and the messenger of the gospel continues to intensify. Since the Jews were determined to reject the gospel message, and by that rejection, as Paul says, they judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life, Paul and that team now began to focus more on the Gentiles. And in verse 48 tells us, and guess what, man? When the Gentiles heard that, they were glad. They, they glorified the word of the Lord. And many, as had been appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Guys, I believe it's almost impossible for us to understand the dynamic of what's going on here with the Gentiles. For all of their life, for their parents' life and their parents' life before that, Gentiles, according to the Jews, had always been second-class citizens. Always, even if they became proselytes into Judaism, they were a second-class Jew. You're not a real Jew at all. And now they're hearing that the word of God is going to come to them. This insurmountable barrier between them and a full relationship with God that had been placed there by the Jews. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that God has broken that wall down. No longer a wall separating. They weren't born as Jews, but God is going to give them new birth into his kingdom. Paul comes and he says that the message and the hope of the gospel is for the Jews also. What a powerful revelation that was, that God's love for them was equal. It was equal to his love for the Jews. It was a perfect and a complete love, vast, unmeasured, boundless, and free. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, man, they were excited. They were, man, they were praising God for us. And Luke tells us, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Beloved, that is the blessing and the richness of the doctrine of election. Paul speaks about it so much in all of his writings. Ephesians and in Romans and 2 Thessalonians, a multiple of places. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He predestined us according to the good pleasure of his will. He foreknew us. He predestined. He called us. He justified us. He glorified. All of these things Paul tells us. And, and, and a multitude of other passages that Paul brings out in his writings. But you know what? I see God's election, the doctrine of election, not as limiting to only a certain few. But beloved, I believe that it's opening the wide door for as many as the Lord is calling to himself. God elected to make his gospel known to the Gentiles also. He elected to do it through the Jews, but the Jews messed up their calling and they suddenly drew themselves in believing that they were the only chosen, they were the only elected, and so they were not, again, spreading the hope of the message of the God of Israel to the Gentile nations around them. Luke makes it very clear for us here in verse 48 that God's elective grace included the Gentiles, but the Jews would have none of it. For them, they were the only elect of God 
not the Gentiles. They felt that they were the ones who had a corner on the truth and the Gentiles have to come to them and through them. But throughout Paul's ministry, he continues to reveal that neither the law nor Judaism can save. It's only by the work of grace through faith. The only way possible. And that's the message that the Jews despised. In their pride and in their jealousy, they continually fought against the message of the gospel and the hope of grace. Look at verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men. I, it's funny how Luke puts, he stirred up the devout and prominent women first and, and then the chief men of the city. They raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they expelled them from their region. But Paul and Barnabas, they, they shook off the dust from their feet against them. And they came to another city, a city by the name of Iconium. And the disciples moaned and groaned because they were under such persecution. Is that what it says? No. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of trials and tribulations, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit because they saw the Lord God working powerfully in their lives as men and women, even as Gentile men and women coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The third verse of that song, the deep love of Jesus. The words say, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Love of every love, the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing. Tis a haven sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Tis a heaven of heavens to me. And it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. They knew that persecution would come. Paul and Barnabas knew that persecution would come. These now new disciples, they would be taught and trained to understand that, man, once you come to Jesus, you're not a friend of the world anymore, and the world's going to come against you. Come to understand that. Come to understand also that the religious will come against you. Because the religious look in pride and, 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 and pride of life and pride of their religion in who they are. And they push against the reality of grace through faith in Christ alone. Understand when you stand in the truth of the grace of God, when you live your life for the glory and the praise of God our Savior, there will be pushback. There will be persecution. But beloved, our home is not here on this terra firma. Our home is in heaven where our Lord is. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. It lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. What about you this morning? Do you know the grace of Christ in your life? Or are you trying to continue on and survive and, and, and gain and, and, and press on just by your own good works or by some acts of religion? Beloved, religion will never get you there. Your ladder is on the wrong wall. Beloved, your good works, turning over a new leaf and trying to be the good person, your ladder is on the wrong wall. The wall that we should be on is the wall that doesn't even need a ladder because our God reaches down to us, not by our ability, 
but because of His great love. He has loved us with an everlasting love. Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.